Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. In the first part of this, we did the introduction to the law or Torah. It is important that we know exactly what we're reading, the history of it, because a lot of the times that we are only reading the New Testament and only using the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible as just a reference scripture when really it is one narrative about Jesus Christ. So here in part one, I'm going to cover just um, a really a few topics at a time because it is so important that we get these, and I don't want to make the podcast too long because I want you to be interested. So my first question would be, was there Torah before the Torah was formally given to Moses at Sinai by God? And the reason why I ask this question is because there are so many scriptures that I've been reading in the Bible doing this study where it creates a lot of questions for me as a Bible teacher. The short answer is no. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, verse 17. And the reason why I picked that is because it sounds like what God is giving them is instruction in which it is. But it's not the kind of instruction where we could actually call it Torah. So it says, eat of every tree freely, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The word Torah is translated as instruction. This is instruction, but translated as a charge, a prohibition from God. The word in Hebrew is tzatva, not Torah or mitzvah. This short narrative summarizes the free will and volition of sin and salvation throughout the Bible. When I first read Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, I claimed that as being Torah, but it does not appear in the 603 or 613 law of Moses. But at the time before the fall, you could say that this probably would have been the only law but not like the reason why we have Torah now or why we have the Ten Commandments and the reason why we have the 603 laws that follow that, which is 613. So was there Torah before Sinai here in Genesis 2, 16 through 17? The answer is no. But the short answer in Genesis for chapter 4, verse 4 is, I believe to be yes. Interestingly, there is very little or no commentary, Jew or Gentile, on Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. This is very interesting to me, is because it is so similar. And I'll read this to you and I'll explain this to you. It's so similar to what we already know about the Bible, about the Torah, about other things, before I get into it. And I just want to be able to show that these types of things are there, I don't see a lot of people. And it surprises me that I don't see Jews or rabbis commentating on some of these scriptures that a lot of people won't touch. George and Tell, like I said, uh, you know, Christian uh, commentators, they, they say, you know, they dance around it, which I just kind of like, I don't really like. And I'm just going to be bold and I'm going to teach it the way I see this because I think it's important that we know this. Now, I'll explain at the very end why I think this is important. So let's move forward.
Now the description of the Passover in Exodus 12 is resident, almost word for word, in the subject matter. The Passover in Exodus chapter 12 is bona fide Torah. We find in Genesis chapter 4 verse 4, a shepherd of sheep, a choice lamb, spilled blood of the innocent, an altar, and a burnt offering. We could place the first lamb offering in the spring, which is when lambs are born, also at the same time as the future exodus of Egypt. On a side note, Cain's offering could also have been barley, which is ripe to harvest in the spring. To make a connection from Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 to Exodus 12 is a gigantic leap. I know this. This is called a syllogism, which is when an instance of a form of reasoning in which a conclusion is drawn. Two given or assumed premises, each of when shares a term or terms with the conclusion and shares a common or middle term not present in the conclusion. This could be a shadow or a type of the future Passover, but in each instance of Scripture, it pleases God. Most scholars are not brave enough to use an unfolding narrative to answer an ambiguous beginning narrative. It makes sense, since it's an unfolding narrative, to fill theological gaps. The word atonement in Hebrew is kafar, or kafer, which means to cover, purge, and reconcile. I have a line of questions for a line of reasoning. The first one is, who told Cain and Abel to do sacrificial offerings? If Adam and Eve taught Cain and Abel sacrificial offerings, who told them or where did this idea come from? And the last one, could it have been when God covered and clothed Adam and Eve in skins? Now, the way I came about these questions is because the narrative just doesn't say when, where, how, who, what, when, and why. It just doesn't give you a... a, a a wide variety of answers. It doesn't fill me intellectually. So what I have to do in order to understand this, because I believe that God's word is understandable and he gives us enough for us to understand, it is important for us to realize that the New Testament has to come into play. I know that Judaism doesn't like to use or will not use New Testament scriptures as some kind of a reference scripture of truth. This is why I more than likely did not read a lot of commentary or have found commentary specifically in the Talmud and other places you hear. It's just kind of a little, I don't know, it's a little out there. It doesn't, it's basically the opinions of people, not necessarily of rabbis instead of the actual scripture, what it could mean. And there's just all different types of things that were kind of like um, strange to me. Uh, I don't want to say that in disrespect, but I'm just saying that it just didn't sound right. So at this point, as I'm asking these questions, 
I have to look at what the scripture actually says and then how it goes from one point to another point and how it transitions to one point and another point with very, very little information. And so you have to take everyday living as we know it. You you could actually see everyday living in the Bible, in other places of the Bible. You could see what people do from season to season, year to year, and sometimes even day to day. Taken that this kind of life that we see actually in the Bible, we could at least assume that Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and their other children, that there had to be everyday life. There had to be weekly, monthly, and then yearly life. We just can't assume that this is all that they did. And is the reason why you can come up with these because it makes sense. So, who told Cain and Abel? about sacrificial offerings. Sacrificial offerings is a very articulate thing to teach and to know why we do what we do. And then the other part of it is is did Adam and Eve when did how did they know of it or if and if they did know of it, who told them? Where did this idea come from? And the last one is it um could it have been that the only reference that the Bible does give when it comes to uh, animals and when it comes to skin or when it comes to um, blood uh, and things like that, even though that when it says that God covered Adam and Eve, it didn't say anything about an animal being killed. It doesn't say anything about blood being spilled. But it just say that God did use skin to cover them. Now, but what does make sense in, in, the, in the aspect of Adam and Eve being covered Enclosed by God Himself. I mean, when when has that ever happened? This only happened only this one time. God has not done this since. Okay, but I will say I will give you some scriptures that we can take and read, and then you tell me what you think. In Genesis chapter three, verse twenty-one, it says that God clothed or covered Adam and his wife with skins. This, by inference, is the first death of an animal shed blood, and skinning. So Adam and Eve could have watched this horrific scene. On a side note, the scene in the future is very common to the Levitical priesthood, sacrificial system, and temple. Could God have temporarily atoned kafar for Adam and Eve's sins? Without this reference to infer, we're left with only one other scripture before Genesis 3.21, and that's Genesis 3.15. What we do have in Scripture is in Isaiah 61.10, it reads, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. In Psalms 132, verse 9, it says, Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. Also in Psalms 132, verse 16, it reads, I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There are other scriptures when it talks about covering and clothing, but not many that are by God. 
So children are not born with the idea to atone for their sins by way of sacrificial offering. They are taught faith and belief. So in Genesis 4.3 it reads, And in the process of time it came to pass. In this part of the narrative it goes from birth to adult job occupation. So the only look into this time span is process of time and it came to pass. This could mean they were taught until they could understand and perform it when the season of the lamb and harvest was ready. Or, this is a type of tithe, a first small deduction of a portion goes to God and the larger portion we get to keep. That in itself is a form of obedience, but of what system of faith and belief? So either way you look at this, it's one or the other. It's either they were told to sacrifice an animal and for the reasons and to who, or they were basically told and taught how to tithe. But in either case, it takes faith, it takes belief, it takes understanding, it takes explanation. So I'm not fully convinced and I just can't walk by this like if it's not a big deal. And I'll show you, show you why I'm trying to connect these things together. So could it be that Adam and Eve witnessed the atonement process of God and passed that knowledge and faith that their own offering will atone for their sins or transgressions for the reason of death? But if you think about it, after all, Adam and Eve were told that if they ate the fruit, they would die. But when God atoned with the skins, they were still alive. I have no hard scripture for this, but we do believe that Jesus is the Passover lamb, so it can't be that far off. So if you're going to ask a question, what does this all matter in the scope of biblical theology, salvation, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, it, I'll tell you exactly what it, why I'm even doing this. If we truly believe that Jesus is in all scripture and that the Bible can explain salvation, sin, God, the Holy Spirit, the demonic realm, and all the things that the Bible talks about, the end times, if, if anything, we need to understand what our beginning is before we understand our end. And in order to be able to know more about God, isn't that what every Christian should be doing anyway? If we truly believe that Jesus is the Passover lamb, but yet we read what Abel was sacrificing was exactly what the Torah says for the Jews to do for an everlasting from generation to generation, but yet we see it here. And it also pleases God. And then the only other time that it talks about being covered is covered in righteousness. And God is the one who does it, not man. This is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. God bless.